0: This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show.
1: Check, check. Oh, ho, 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 look at those audio waves.
0: About damn time. Oh,
1: Travis is
0: back. Now it hurts. Yeah. No,
1: this is going down a little bit. Well, you check, would, check. No, I, yeah, that's
0: good. But you usually don't talk that loud when you're going.
1: What do you mean? Do I talk like this? Yeah,
0: you usually oh my
1: God. All right, guys. Uh, we're going to start with uh, part two of the training FAQ that we started last week. And, uh, yeah. Get right into it.
0: Yeah, I don't think I have any announcements this week. Um, no, no announcements.
1: But a lot of answers.
0: A lot of answers, though. We got a lot of, how many questions do we have left on this? Five. Okay. Yeah. We should be able to smash those. All
1: right. When it comes to the order of exercise in a program, does it matter if I change things around?
0: This is the one – actually, I guess I can't. I was going to say this is the one time I can say it doesn't depend. It will – Like the answer is always no, don't do it. Yeah. But I I mean – There's always a situation where you can do something. You know what I mean? I I mean – so let's say it like this. Like you just got done doing barbell squats and – now you have dumbbell, alternating bench press and lunges or leg extension, or just accessory exercise, right? Yeah. You can switch those around if there's no equipment at the gym, right? Like so like you go to do a dumbbell bench press and there's nothing there, you're like, fuck, okay, well I'll go do my T bar row first and then I'll come back to it. You have to switch it up. You have to. Yeah. And that's fine. But if if you go up to the squat rack to do your barbell squats and that's like your main compound lift today, and you're like, Oh shit, someone's on the squat rack, I'm gonna go do you know, my leg curls and my leg extensions and all that stuff first. And then when they get done, I'll come back over. I would say, no, just wait, just, they're not going to be there for longer than 10 minutes, hopefully. So just wait or jump in with them. Um, Nowadays, people who are training are usually training at home or they have to be so far apart from each other that this probably never happens anymore (laughs) because of COVID. But in most cases, if it's a compound lift, if it's a heavy lift, do not change the exercise order because You will squat way differently if you do a bunch of shit before you squat, not only from a form perspective, um, an injury prevention or risk perspective, but also from a performance perspective, there's no way I'm going to be able to squat as heavy if I am doing leg extensions or leg press or pistol squats or any of that stuff before I get to that squat
1: in that same session.
0: Exactly. So, um, 99% of the time I say, don't do it. And even on some other stuff, I, I like I'm so meticulous with programming that I hate when people are like, "Well, I flip-flop these days. Or can I change these exercises?" I'm like, "No. Like I made it like that for a reason. Don't change it." Or like I've even had people like, "Oh, I bought density and I was going to change this and I switched this to this and I changed the rep ranges on this." And I'm like, "You're not doing the program anymore." Did,
1: I was going to say, "Did you program for yourself?" Exactly. Yeah. Why did you buy it? Yeah. Like or hire your coach. Same different situation. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um so most of the time I would say no, but there there's always a time where it's like you're doing, like, low fatigue, yeah. low risk. Do you get that a lot?
1: I, I don't know what the definition of a lot is, but, like, out of 10 clients, you even have two people always changing?
0: So – this is one of those questions where I'm actually, that's a really bad question to ask me now because I can be more selective with who I work with, I don't yeah. work with as many people anymore. Okay. Um, my team works with way more people yeah. than I do. And it happens
1: more often than not with others. Exactly. exactly. So. Um, you told me to eat and strawberries, in the mem- and <laughs> well, I ate a hamburger. <laughs> you told me to eat, right? It's the same <laughs> yeah. thing.
0: Um, well, in, in the membership site, in the data trainer, it probably happens more than I realized too, because... I can't handhold everybody in yeah. there. And I wonder it's how many people, people do
1: it without saying something.
0: hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. Still paying for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's people who change stuff. And so so there's a few scenarios here. Um, number one, I don't get it as much anymore just because, uh, like, the people I work with are, are usually pretty damn committed. And they're like, I'm going to do what's written exactly. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they'll stress, like, uh, shout out to... Uh, uh, Daniel Wheeler, Cash Wheeler. He's he's one of the new wrestlers I got. Yeah, and he he like texted me and he's like, I don't have a seat cable row at my house gym. So what can I do differently? And I was like, well, do dumbbell chest rows. Don't worry about it, man. Just go heavy. Focus on putting your elbows here to target the same muscle. Blah blah blah. And then he sends me a message. He's like, I, I almost did it, but I said fuck it. And I drove to the gym anyway. He's like, I want to do the program exactly how it's written. And then he got to the gym and they didn't have something that he needed and he ended up going back. <laughs> home. But people like him are like, no, fuck that. Like I'm doing it how it's written. Yeah. Like I want to do this exact program. There
1: had to have been a reason why you put that instead of the other
0: one. Exactly. Yeah. And and so there's a lot of times where we get that. There is like for compound lifts. I never, I say oh, don't do it because you're going to end up harming your performance in certain don't things. Don't do it. Don't change it up. Don't change it up. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Um, but there's also times where there's things in certain order not only from an energy perspective, so from a fatigue and energy perspective, I'm going to squat towards the very beginning of my workout because the barbell squat is taxing as fuck, right? Like on my squat day, I do barbell squats, then I do RDL, then I do front squats to a box, then I do step ups and leg curls, right? If I did any of that before my barbell squat, which are the lowest rep, the heaviest move of the day, I'd probably hurt myself. Yeah. So I just tire myself out. So in that case, it's like an absolute no. In the case where like maybe I did that and then I went to do an RDL and I didn't have a bar, I could go do the pistol squats or something first and then come back to the RDLs. I'll be fine because it's more of a muscle building exercise. I'm not going super heavy. It's not going to affect my performance too much. Um, and then there's, there's also the case where you can do it not in the order but in exercise selection. So for example, the program I do and this is like good coaching. It's is interactive, so like Eric has the program he wants me to do. I like changing things up because I get bored and I've been doing the same shit for a long time. So I told him I was like, "Hey, what ones are you like? You have to do this. You can't change them. Don't don't touch them because I know that there are certain ones like that." And he was like, "Don't touch the squat. Don't touch the bench. Don't touch the deadlift. Don't touch the overhead press. Don't touch this row." Like he gave me the ones that like I want to see you progressing week to week on these. And then I was like, okay, everything else, I'm going to stick with the same muscle group, same movement pattern, but I'm just going to change it up. So I go from a seated neutral grip cable row to a wide grip to a chest supported row to a T-bar row. I'm doing the same shit, but it just feels different and Mm -hmm. it's exciting. So, you know, if you're at the gym and you're like, all right, well, I have to do a cable chest fly right now and the cables are taken. Go over to the pec deck and do the machine fly or a dumbbell fly. You'll be fine, you know? But for your barbell squat, for your barbell bench, for your deadlift, the things that you are trying to progress week to week and add weight to, mm-hmm. just stick with them. Don't change them. You're just messing up the program. Um, and then the last thing I will say too is people have to be aware of posture. So a lot of times people will be like, "Okay, well, I didn't put anything in front of squats because I know that'll tire me out," but I changed this and this or this and this. And and if you look at the posture alignment, it can it can cause issues with your joints. So if this is for example, this is why I actually don't like. Push pull legs with some people because if some people are in a super kyphotic position, which is like very hunched over, like their shoulders are kind of rolled forward because they have a lot of protraction. So if they're in a protracted position, they're probably having some shoulder impingement. They need to be in extension, right? So if they're sitting all day, they have tight hip flexors. They need to do some hip extension. So I don't like doing a push pull legs because then I'll spend a full day pushing and doing shoulder and chest and tricep, just encouraging that. Yes, yes, I'll have a full day of pulling. But I like those are the people where I'm like, all right. Every time you do push, we're doing a pull right afterwards. Yeah. Because I want to get you into a better posture. For sure. Um. So sometimes that's a problem too. But yeah.
1: some people, I feel like, also with cha- more with like people that are uneducated on how to program or why you're uh, why you're doing what you're doing in your program. But like. If they're cha- maybe you're doing that specific workout or that specific rep or whatever it may be for a certain reason because you know their prior injuries are, are prone to something else and then they're like oh not i'm not gonna say it. they're like oh i just don't want to do that well then why'd you hire a coach but they're like oh i could do this differently i could do this other one and it wouldn't be a big difference. well it might be because of injury or mm-hmm. because of doubling up on two different muscle groups you know yeah it, it all comes back there's a reason for it yeah but If you change it up, there could be a a lot worse um, repercussions. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's why you have to talk to your coach. Exactly. Don't just change it up. Like, ask your coach first. Because there are times where if people ask me and it's okay to change it, and I know that that will motivate them to keep them training, yeah, yeah, I'll tell them, like, you can change this one. Don't touch this one. Yeah. You know, like, if I have somebody doing a front squat instead of a back squat, there's probably a reason, you know. I I like a high bar back squat because – it's the one compound lift you can really load up the quads. But mm-hmm. if somebody has a back issue or poor hip mobility, yep. I'm not doing a back squat. Yeah. I'll probably do a front squat because when you put the load in front, you, it drops the load significantly. But also, there's way less compression on your spine. So I don't have to worry about low back issues because you're in a compressed position. Mm-hmm. Your abs are engaged, um, which is why front squats are harder and people avoid them. But And less weight. And less weight. Yeah. But, um that's one of those situations where I'm like, I, I don't want you to change it. Or even like some people, I just have doing a ton of split squats and they're like, oh, I want to do back squats. Like, well, you have horrible mobility. You have a history of low back injuries. We're no. doing everything unilateral because I want you to split the load and then distribute the the load differently than compressing your spine. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's always an it depends. Yeah. You know, so there's there are some times where it's okay. But for the most part, like, especially order of exercises i really prefer people not to touch it yeah and i think to me like programming is such a work, work of art it's like just leave it yeah that's what you hired us for
1: i agree <laughs> i'm just i i got so many things going through my head i'm just like for that split squat situation you just said like people are like hey i want to do this but you have lower back issues there's is the reason why i did this split squat blah blah well then they go off and do the other one and then they get injured, yeah. And then they're like, "Well, I got injured with split scouts. No, you did. You know, you did. Yeah. i you, you don't know. Yeah. You're not, you don't got a camera on them or whatever. But then yeah. they're injured, and then they're like, "Oh my god, blah blah." But shit happens. Yeah. I, I, it all depends. And
0: well, and that's why, like, I think god. one of the things we focus on so much is like connection-based coaching. Like we, Amen. As coaches, because relationship. Yeah, because then we don't have to worry about them lying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's there's clients can, who. Like you've like, done this long
1: enough. You could sniff that out a
0: hundred percent. And and I know how to coach our coaches on how to, how to better be able to do that. And yeah. I, I can honestly say that our coaches are really good about that, but I think that it's
1: happened so many times to you. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and now to them, you know what yeah. I mean? They're all, they've all worked with hundreds of people since being on the team. So yeah. I think it's, it's helpful. But I think that at the end of the day, like when you create that trust and that buy-in, they're way less likely to lie. And you don't have to worry about that, Absolutely. but it only comes from trying to connect, create that connection, and leaving an open door. So yeah. Um, cause I've had, you know, it's, it's extr- like the percentage of people who mistrack or miscalculate macros is actually really high. Yeah. I'm like, sure. so a lot of times tr- it's
1: really difficult, dude. It is. Yeah.
0: And, and some people will say like, oh, well, like, you know, my client's only eating 1200 calories and I losing weight. And I'm like, they're not eating 1200 calories. Yeah. They're like, well, they say they're adhering. I'm like, I know they say that, but they're not Yeah. like there's, there's probably you maybe you, not
1: even on purpose. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So sometimes you have to. Really go into the weeds with them, and I'll be like, Hey, Sim, like, I want, I'm gonna go through your food log. I actually, go into my fitness pal, and I look at everything and I look for things that are weird. Like, I had one guy I can think of who was really stuck at a plateau, and he was eating, uh, it was like a hundred grams of this, or maybe it was less, might have been like 50 grams of, uh, like some kind of ground beef. And it, he lives in the ne- Netherlands, so it's, it's not called ground beef, but yeah. it's basically ground beef. And I was like, Hey, I think there's some like measuring issues. And he's mm-hmm. like, No, like, I've been measuring everything, blah, blah. blah and I'm like, well, you you mentioned 50 grams of ground beef. That's like, you know, like the size of my thumb. Like, yeah. It's like a tablespoon or two. That's <laughs> like one bite of ground beef. Who eats one bite of ground beef in a meal? Like, yeah. And he's like, no. And I was like, I had a whole bowl. Like that was my whole thing. And I was like, yeah, I think you mean like 500 grams. And it's like, oh, and then that quadruples, if not more, the 10 10x the calorie consumption. Yeah. So he was like eating 700 calories a day, and he's like, I don't understand how you expect me to eat that much, because I had him on like 2,000 calories. I was like, well, let me look through your logs. And I started pinpointing everything. And I was like, oh, change this, change this. Hey, do you track oil? No, I didn't even think about that. Oh, yeah, well, oil has a ton of fat in it, so track that. You know, did you put your fish oil in there? No, okay, put that in there. And so sometimes you you have to go beyond just the numbers on a piece of paper. You have to actually, like, in a way micromanage them, yeah. right? And, like, kind of hold yeah. their hand through it because they don't know, yeah. which is fine. Yep. Um,
1: but you can't always, quote-unquote, trust what they're saying because they're uneducated. As
0: exactly. But the problem is some people will be like, <laughs> Oh, they're not losing weight. Okay, let's drop their calories. And really, I'm like, they're not even hitting those calories. So let's yeah. just fix the adherence issue. Yeah.
1: And then if you fix it and they're not, then we'll go a
0: different route. Well, and, and this is actually the case where, like, there's, like, we call it responders When somebody reverse diets and loses weight, like, I add calories and they lose weight. I actually believe that more often than not, it's because of this. So I have a client I can think of right now who we increased the, her calories up pretty high. Mm-hmm. And she started dropping weight, and she's losing weight right now. And I, and I truly believe that the reason she's losing weight while increasing food is not because she is eating more food and it's ramping up her metabolism or anything yeah. like that. I actually think it's because as we reverse dieted her, I also taught her how to actually measure. Hmm. So it's not a reverse diet increasing fat loss. It's the combination of a reverse diet which helps manage stress but also like me teaching her how to track alcohol. How to track your food better? How to use a food scale? Like, so beforehand, she was like, "Oh, I'm eating next to nothing," and she was technically, but I think she was so inaccurate that she was actually eating way more. And I and I can kind of read that now. Where I'll see a client's intake form, I'm like, "Okay, you're eating about 1,100 calories a day," but based on your food logs and based on what you're telling me, I guarantee you're mistracking here. You're probably misweighing here. Your weekends probably don't look like you're telling me they look. You know, they're probably a little bit off because um, there's a lot of times where people track through the week. And then all of a sudden you see them eat breakfast on Saturday and then nothing else. Like, oh, my God, you just ate nothing all day Saturday. No, it's because you went out for lunch then you went out for dinner and then you had some drinks. You know what I mean? Yep. I do the same thing. Yeah. So, um, but like learning how to pick those out as a coach, True. you know, is so important. Yeah. Comes but with a profession. I don't even remember what the question was, but that, I think we answered it. Yeah. Before I went on that rant. Uh,
1: yeah. When it comes to, when it comes to the order of <laughs> exercise in a program, it doesn't matter if you can change it around. Yeah.
0: And weigh your food. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Next question is uh what tra- I'm practicing talking louder. Okay. What training differences are th- what training differences are there for
0: men and women? People are gonna be pissed that you know they're yeah. like, Hey, your co host is too loud. <laughs> <laughs> what we-, we turned his mic up, everybody. Yeah. This I, thing is screaming loud. We've had well we've had multiple people multiple people notice boop, boop. so we are acknowledging that. Um, and this, that's actually, and that's my bad too, for not listening to the podcast ever. I really don't like listening to the podcast.
1: Listen to your own voice. It's weird. Yeah. It's
0: weird to me. It's not bad. My voice isn't bad. No.
1: Oh. no. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's not bad that you don't listen to it.
0: Yeah. you just the one that said it. Well, the, if I would have been listening to it more, I probably would have caught the volume issue. I know. You know what I mean?
1: But I'm saying that they're in my Opinion. There's no reason for you to listen to what you've no, said. I've already said it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why you listen to other people. Yeah. So.
0: And sometimes when you listen to it, you begin to doubt. You're like, oh, fuck, that sounds stupid. Yeah. Or I should have oh, said this instead. Yeah. So I, I learned my lesson way early on. Like, overanalyzing. I'm just, yeah. I'm not going to listen to it. Because there's been times where, like, I remember the first time I did a Monday motivation I, episode.
1: I got to re record this. Yeah.
0: I listened to it and I was like, oh, that's horrible. But I was going out of town. I was like, I need to air something. So I just put it out. And I had a ton of people DM me like that was one of the best episodes you've done in so long. It was the first Monday motivation Just one, but it. I felt so stupid after I listened to it yeah. the first time. So after that, I was like, I'm never going to listen to these again. But um, difference between men and women training. Um, this has kind of gone back and forth. Like I think you know, uh, historically speaking, a lot of people said there was nef- uh, there was a lot of differences, and then kind of science came out and it was like, oh wait, nope. All the same principles apply, volume, intensity, so on and so forth, maybe in different realms. Um, I know they did a study, uh, and and I think it's a hormonal thing. I want to say it's because estrogen has an effect on the cardiovascular system. Um, Women produce more estrogen. Therefore, they have typically a better cardiovascular system. So if you have a better cardiovascular system, you can probably handle more cardio Mm -hmm. believe it or not um and if you have a better cardiovascular system slash oxidative system you're going to recover faster so for years i always noticed like women are like they finish their set they're like all right i'm ready to go and i'm like whoa like take a breast like let's lift heavy let's slow down and guys i'm like hey come on let's go it's time for your next set it's like five minutes later you know um And I think it's because of this, like when they have a higher estrogen dominance, they have a better cardiovascular system. They recover faster. So they're not huffing and puffing as long after a set. So I think the main differences are just that. Um, I think women are going to recover a little bit faster between sets so they can probably take shorter rest periods. Um, I don't know if this is related. It might be, but typically I notice women can handle more volume than men. Um, and I also think part of that is because, and this isn't like a black and white statement, but most men are stronger than women. Yeah. Like, There is, I have clients that can outperform me in many things and a lot of my other clients, but just the average majority, the average majority, like men, they're bigger and they're probably going to be stronger. So especially because if you look at like where their muscle mass is held, like a girl might be able to squat just as much as a guy, like relative to body weight, but his bench press is going to be better because genetically and biologically speaking, he has bigger chest muscles, shoulder muscles, like just, that's how we're built. Um, So, knowing that we go a little bit heavier, we probably can't handle as much volume because our intensity is higher, right? Um, And that also might be why women can recover quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, But there also is that estrogen factor, which is a sex hormone that might influence the cardiovascular system. So, um, there's that. There's the recovery thing. There's the potentially more volume, which could just be because they lift lighter or it could be because of this estrogen thing. And then the last part is just exercise selection, like you know, I do way more glute work in a female's program than any male male's program. Because I I, I I've had one guy in my entire life probably say hey, I need bigger glutes. Like and he, I shouldn't even say that because no guy has ever said that to me. But they have said I need better glutes because some guys have like really weak glutes and it's like, you know, hurting their low back or it's it's making their deadlift perform squat, shitty, yeah. squat, everything. Um, so there's definitely guys that we've worked on glute strength. Um and I do a lot of glute strength, but uh, nobody like <laughs> coming from a guy who has put Made on a, a g- good amount of weight dude I, trying to put on slacks it's like the most annoying thing when you put on some size like i put on slacks for or even like i when we went to dinner for my birthday um shannon bought me new black jeans for my birthday because like recently before i went to wear my black jeans and they were like dude like spandex <laughs> and i was like oh, fuck, i can't wear these yeah like i like skinnies but they're like these are tights spandex <laughs> So, so she bought me, she bought me new jeans. It's funny. Um, but point being is like, guys, don't, guys don't want that. I want huge quads, but I don't want a big glute, you know, but, um, so exercise selection changes, you know, I'm not going to program a ton of chest for, for women. I'll program more shoulders. I'll program more quads for guys, uh, more, more glutes and hamstrings for girls, Um, back is probably going to be the same for everybody. Guys, I do way more bicep and tricep work because they want bigger arms. So it really is just, it's, it's not because women can't work on their bench press or work on their, their chest strength. It's just that it's not as important to them
1: Yeah, or enjoy a joy, enjoyable. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah,
0: it's just not like, even for me, like, you know, i Generically speaking. Yeah. And that's, and that's also because usually what you're good at, you enjoy doing. Yeah, Yeah. So. I love doing, like, heavy rows because that's my strongest, like, suit is just I can row a lot of weight. So I want to do more and more of it. I don't really necessarily need to do more rowing. Like, my back's fine. But I just love it because I'm yeah. good at it. Um, sometimes it's an opposite, too, because I know for me, like, I've always sucked at squatting because of all the knee injuries and surgeries I've had. But ever since this last surgery that went so well, I've just been obsessed with squatting. Yeah. what I'm doing today after this. Like, I just love squatting because now I can do it <laughs> and I can load it up. And I'm like perfect um but yeah that's uh i mean for the most part it's just uh women recover a little bit faster between sets they potentially may be able to do more volume which could just be from lower intensity in their loads um and then last but not least exercise selection kind of changes depending on the person
1: not as much as the gender but the person
0: yeah because even you know i have i have a guy right now we're doing a shoulder specialization right so he has way more volume on his shoulders Mm because that's what he wants to go and then i have another guy it's very broad everything's getting the same amount because generally he just wants to get bigger. Um, then I have another guy that we have a lot more bicep and tricep work cause he just really wants huge arms. So it's yeah. like, kind of depends for sure. I'm doing a ton of quad work cause that was one of the things I was like, dude, I want huge quads and I want to be able to squat a shit ton of weight. Yeah. So we do I squat three times a week and I only have two leg days. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So I do back squats and front squats on one day. Yeah. It's like six sets of squats. And then I do front squats again on a second day. And that doesn't count, like, split squats or anything like that. So Big squat guy. Like, the worst thing ever is, like, when usually when I get home from uh, the gym, Shannon's, like, cooking dinner, and she, at least half the time, she's like, hey, can you go change Blakely's diaper? Like, yeah, I pick her up, and I'm like, oh, walk up the stairs. It's, like, so hard. Sometimes I'm just like, hey, you can walk. <laughs> I don't got to carry you anymore because that shit is tough.
1: All right. uh, right. Let's see here. How long should my rest periods be between sets? Good old two-letter word or two two-word answer.
0: Two it letter. depends. <laughs> um, actually, even better, doesn't matter. Yeah, there we go. For so, <laughs> well, it does matter. So, um, it depends what you're doing. Uh, if you're doing strength training, which is most likely is most common when people ask me this, I say at least two minutes. Oh. upwards of five. Like okay. I think that you know, if you do,
1: either or is not gonna. No, I mean. Hurt or help?
0: No, because because I can do a set of squats, take two minutes, actually, and I squat think, pretty well again. But you five know.
1: minutes is it, it's obviously two minutes not going to hurt you, but five minutes is going to help because more, rest. more time to recovery. Yeah,
0: but for some people, it has the opposite effect because okay. two things: one, some people actually get like kind of stiff if they wait too oh. long, you know, um, and some people. Get antsy. So for me, I actually have I, I I watch the clock.
1: Dude, yeah, five minutes is a long time.
0: When I watch the clock, I I literally will do a squat set, and I'm like, all right, I'm ready. And it's been a minute, and I'm <laughs> yeah. like, oh fuck, okay, let me wait longer. Yeah. So I watch. I usually watch the the song that's playing, and I yeah. use that as a timer. It's like three minutes or so. Yeah. yeah. And so I usually take two to three minutes because I'm antsy when <laughs> I train. I'm like, I like to go, 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 go. But for some people, five minutes is fine. There's even studies that show like eight minutes being beneficial because. For some people, they they need that recovery. And again, like or lose their it, mind. Like last week, I was working up to on the trap bar, like I think it was four sixty five, and I was doing sets of one. Right, I was taking a solid three, four, or five minutes in between sets because yeah. more than anything, I just didn't want to hurt my back from yeah. rushing. You know, um, and I was doing them fine. It wasn't like absolute maximum load, um, but it was enough for me. To be like I'm going to take longer than two minutes for sure. But on a front squat, two minutes totally fine. So I think anywhere between two to five minutes for like compound lifts Um, for accessory exercises one to two minutes is usually best I would say one to three minutes depending on the person you know because for some people a heavy dumbbell lunge is actually really hard so they need that three minutes for other people one minute is fine
1: One minute doesn't seem like enough
0: It doesn't when you say one minute but if you're actually resting. Yeah. Okay One minute's a good amount of time Uh Um, Anything less than that I think is just too much You're just not managing fatigue well um, you're not letting the lactate leave the system. You're not letting yourself recover from a cardiovascular oxidative perspective. Um, but it also depends on the difficulty of the movement for you. You know, some people like, like a dumbbell walking lunch or like a barbell walking lunge. like that is an accessory exercise. But when we did those last week and I like walked across the gym and back, dude, I was so gassed. Like yeah. my heart was pounding. I had to sit down. Like I was taking four minutes. But a dumbbell walking lunge, that can probably take two minutes, you know, a dumbbell reverse lunge, that could take one minute. So it kind of depends on the exercise, but usually one to three minutes for accessory slash isolation work, um, two to five minutes for compound work. And then for supersets, it's basically as long as it takes to get to the next exercise and then the others apply to it. So if you're doing a dumbbell bench press superset with a seated cable row, you might take 30 seconds in between because it's really just, how long does it take me to set the dumbbells down, walk over there, set up, and go? Yeah. You're basically going right to it, and then you'll go back to that. After that, you take that two to three minutes before going back to the the first set again. Definitely. Um, Completely so, different exercises. Yeah. So, I think a lot of times people, like back in the day, they thought uh, time under tension was more important for muscle growth. So, if I rested one minute or less, there's more tension in the muscle, so I can... Uh, accumulate more fatigue, which to an extent you do, you get a burning sensation, you you get a way nastier pump if you take shorter rest periods, but you can't lift as heavy, you usually can't do as many reps, and that's really what's more important for muscle growth than a pump. Yeah. So um, the, the whole time under tension thing was kind of debunked, and now it's more like, I mean, one to three minutes for exercises that are isolation or accessory, two to five minutes for compound, but really, how long does it take you to recovery recover personally? that's how long you should recover because how
1: do you determine that
0: you just got to trial and error you got to test it out you know like that's and that's why like when I give recommendations inside my programs it usually says one to three minutes or two to five minutes or it doesn't say anything and people ask me like hey what what should I rest between sets you tell me and I'm like you should rest as long as you need yeah in order to perform as well as you did the first set or so if I do four, so like today I'm a squat for five I think I'm I think we're working up to like 265 275 for squats and after I get done with that set, the first set, rack it, I'm gonna wait until I am like I know I can do that same weight for five reps again. But if I rush it and I'm like, this is iffy, then I haven't waited long enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if I'm at the five minute mark and I'm still like, fuck, then it means I'm just having a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. I or I went too heavy. Yeah. Um
1: But you're talking this is your trial and error. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying if you wait two minutes and you're still not you know and you do it, and you are like, "Damn, that wasn't enough." And then you get like, obviously, you just do it, and you go a little bit longer, and then in, yep. until you are like, "Damn," but like again, there is a point to
0: where like, <laughs> yeah, you are just not rested, yeah, and, <laughs> in in life. And sometimes that depends too on how much time you have in the gym. Yeah. You know, so that's why you do supersets usually. If you are in a hurry, superset stuff take a little bit less time. You are gonna have to sacrifice some load on the bar, but do you get all the work in or do you get way less work in at a heavier weight? I would probably get all the work in, you know, get it, get as much as you can out of that workout. Um, but yeah, I think, I think in the only other time that it actually does matter is in conditioning because like literal conditioning, like conditioning work is how much work can you do in this period of time? Then take this short of a rest before returning to that intensity. So it might be four minutes of, of, of like a circuit and then two minute rest, right? that that 2 minutes matters because yeah. you're not getting the same conditioning effect or performance effect if you take 30 seconds instead of 2 or if you take 5 minutes instead of 2. So in conditioning it does matter more, but it's a completely different perspective. And yeah. If we're talking strength and hypertrophy and muscle growth and fat loss even like it doesn't matter as much. Yeah.
1: There's a much much bigger fatigue factor when muscle building.
0: Yep. Cool. All right. Um
1: <laughs> I some of these all right. Uh, next question says: Does tempo matter? If so, when does it, and why does it?
0: Tempo is actually just like the rest period thing. It's it's almost like most of the time it really doesn't matter um, because Can,
1: I, this might be stupid, but uh, what do they mean by tempo? Like so, um, how fast you bench press or like yeah. Resistance? So that's actually that's
0: a good that you ask that because there's probably other people listening that are yeah. wondering. It, tempo is gonna be like how long is the negative, the pause, and the concentric. Okay. The positive. So eccentric, yep. pause, concentric. So I'm lowering the bar for three seconds, pausing for one and yep. then pressing yep. one second. That's yep. a tempo, right? So for bench press. For bench press. Yeah. Or for squat, lowering with the bar, you know, yep. whatever it may be. Um and typically when you write tempos you go like three, one, one. Yep. That would be negative, the end pause, and then the concentric. Yep. Um Perfect. some people put another letter for the top pause, but Three, one, explosive. Exactly. So I usually put an X for explosive. Mm -hmm. So I'll be like three, one, X, one, because I want them to do a full pause at the top before returning back to the next rep. Um, But the only time it matters is if we're trying to learn a movement pattern better or gain control um, or even prevent injury, right? Because, you know, if we're looking – like somebody comes to me and they're like, I – I know how to do all the exercises. I'm advanced. I have no injuries. I just want to, you know, build as much muscle and strength as possible, yeah. which is like some of the guys I have or girls. I'm not doing any tempo Yeah. because if I give you a three-second negative, you won't be able to lift as heavy. If you can't lift as heavy, that is less volume and you'll get less growth. Yep. Um, you know, there, there is some validity to saying that a slow a eccentric, like going, you know, 10 seconds down. That will lead to, um, more muscle growth because you're tearing more of the muscle fibers and then that creates more muscle damage, which they're like, and eh, is muscle damage really that important mm-hmm. for muscle growth or is it just a correlation? So when you train hard, you build muscle, you also get some muscle damage because you trained hard, yeah. but it doesn't mean that the muscle damage caused the muscle growth necessarily, maybe a little bit, but it's hard to tell by the evidence they have, um, but there there used to be like that. So we would do these long slow negatives. It didn't matter how much you were lifting because if you do the slow negative, then you can grow more. But what they found is in, in the study where volu- like volumes equated it actually doesn't do anything for growth because it actually diminishes growth because the load drops so yeah. much. Because if you do a slow negative, you're just fatiguing yourself out more. Right. So this comes right back to fatigue management. I think fatigue management is such an important thing that people forget about. Um However, there are studies that show more muscle growth with long negatives, but you have to be overloaded. So in that sense, it's like we're doing a bench press, you're spotting me. I lower it down as slow as I can, but you help me up cuz I can't even press it. Yeah. So for me, I can rep Damn. 225 for like 5 reps, right? Yeah. That's like me going, "All right, we're going to do 5 negative reps, and I'm going to do 275." Yeah. I can lower 275 for 5 reps for sure. Yeah. But with I can't 5 reps? Oh yeah, yeah, but I but I can't press it. Yeah. Because the difference between those what's, two. What's loads. the
1: benefit in the negative?
0: You you just tear the muscle fibers more, and oh. you can overload the nervous system a little bit more. So, uh, but that's the whole point. The only way to get that benefit out of it is if I overload it. Yeah. So you have to pick a weight that you literally can't lift. You can only lower, and somebody has to help you. Hmm. Um, and they make they make tools like this. Actually, really cool. Like they make um, I can't remember what they're called, but you, it's like a hook that goes over the bar, and then it has like these plates that hang. But as soon as they touch the floor, oh, yeah. it releases the hook. Yeah, Theo had me doing. Yeah, that. so yeah. Uh, plate release. Yeah. So if I lower, I'm lowering it super slow. Boom, they hit the ground. Then That's I can press sick. up the lighter weight. Yeah. Super dope. Um, unfortunately, you can't rep it out though. You yeah. get only one rep thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, they make this thing for it's so cool. It's for a uh, cable machine, and you put it, you put uh, like these spacers in it, and they basically hold the weights until you let the weights touch on the Hmm. weight stack so if i'm doing rows and i'm just not letting it touch the weight stack i can just keep repping it out when i fatigue i go all the way down the the plate stacks touch each other and it it pops out the plug and then your next plug is 30 pounds lighter Hmm. Hmm. and you keep repping i saw john meadows with it on his instagram was fucking dope um i definitely i want to find one of those because we got the the lat pull down we'll be here in five or six weeks um but with tempos, they're just not that productive for aesthetic change. However, if somebody comes to me like, oh, I have a shoulder issue. Well, I want to still generate as much tension in the muscle without hurting the shoulder. So I'm probably, am going to do a five second negative two second concentric on their dumbbell bench press because it slows them down and it keeps focus on the muscle. It's easier on their joint because if they're going fast, they can't control the movement of the joint itself. So if I slow it down, they're like, okay, focus, focus, yeah. keep my shoulder packed, keep the tension on the muscle, press up slowly. So for some people, it's it's like a learning thing. Okay, we're going to do slow tempos because I want you to learn how to use this movement properly and not fuck yourself up Yeah. Um, and just keep tension in the muscle, right? Um, whereas other people, it just is making your load go down and it's just affecting your performance all around. Like it's just not going to be helpful. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, it really just depends on the person. The only time I ever use it is if somebody needs to to learn how to – uh, accomplish a movement better. I use it a lot in like beginner programs or like the early phases of a new program because it teaches people how to do the movement. So I might go, we're doing five second negatives on this for two weeks and then we're uh, doing no negative because I want you to go heavier and actually do it right now because you spent time going yep. lighter and, and learning the movement. Yeah. Um, and I would also say the only other time is when I have older clients and older as in anybody who is, Really, above thirty that is starting to have joint issues, so you know there's some people who feel fifty at thirty, and there's some people that feel thirty at fifty you know there's some people that like treat their body really well, yeah, but I also have people i mean even myself i'm twenty eight now and I have joint issues just from soccer, martial arts, tearing my meniscus three fucking times, you know, like all the different stuff i've done, so my body is a little bit more wear and tear than the typical twenty eight year old um, but When I have that concern with people, like, okay, they have some joint issues. um, They have a long history of athletics or they're just, you know, 40, 50, 60. I'm probably going to use more negatives and more slow tempos because I just don't want the risk of injury. You know, even for myself with a heavy squat, I still try to control the negative because I don't want to just drop on my joints and tear my meniscus for the fourth time. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But um, So they do come in handy, but it's not because – tempos lead to muscle growth or strength. It's because tempos usually lead to better motor control and learning and safety of the movement.
1: For sure. Dope. Yeah. Great explanation. All right.
0: Um,
1: This is our last question for this part two. Um, This one says, what impact on fat loss does NEAT have?
0: Way bigger of an impact than most people realize. So non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So... The reason it has so much effect on it is because neat is this. Neat is everything you do. Neat is me moving. That's not training. That's not training. Me moving my hands when I talk. Me blinking my eyes. Me chewing my food more. Like literally. Um, Me getting up out of my chair and walking more. Me standing up more. Um, How many steps I take per day. Everything that I'm doing that is not me purposely acting in the gym to burn calories or exercise is NEAT. Therefore, NEAT makes up the majority of your BMR, your basal metabolic rate, which is like your your overall metabolism. How many calories do you burn per day? Your total daily energy expenditure is mostly affected by NEAT. So how big of an effect does it have? It's a massive effect. Like how much can you alter it? (laughs) Unfortunately, not a ton because as you diet, you have low energy availability, which is basically just saying I have less food coming in, yeah. less energy. When I have less energy, dude, I, I don't talk like this. Yeah, I don't blink as much. I don't talk as much. I don't walk as much. I don't stand as much. I sleep longer, like yeah. because I'm tired. Yep. Right. So, neat drops when your calories drop, and it's very hard to counteract that. And the only way you can do it is like track your steps, um, track how many hours a day you're standing. Um, How many words you say? <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't track a lot of that, <laughs> but your steps is really all you can yeah. control. I'm so like blank. usually when I diet, I do like wearing my Apple Watch because I like to at least track that. And yeah. I'm not trying to increase my knee as I diet. I'm trying to maintain it For because sure. when I'm at maintenance or a surplus, it's I'm, gonna go lower. It's gonna lower compared yeah. to that. So if I'm normally like right now, like uh, I normally walk about anywhere between nine to eleven thousand steps a day. And that's not me, like, trying to walk more. It's, it's just because I'm eating enough food where I tend to get up and move more and I'm walking. I take a walk in the morning. It's just my routine. Mm-hmm. When I start dieting, my goal is to maintain that 9 to 11,000 because if I can do you, that, then I'm – You know it could easily go down. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm minimally affecting it as I diet, which usually it, it's maximally affected when you diet. Um, and that's really all you can do about it. You know, I don't think – and you can also, like, you hit a plateau, you could add cardio, you could cut calories, or you could just go, "Hey, I'm doing 10,000 steps right now. I'm gonna aim for 13,000 a day." Technically, that is doing more cardio because you would be moving more, walking more, but it might mean like four or five minute walks a day, you know, like it, very something very small for infrequently to get those extra 3,000 steps. That 3,000 steps increases your knee, burns more calories, you will lose more weight. Yep. So, knee is probably one of the, the actually the most it, it's the, one of the most important aspects of of sustainable fat loss. But it's also one of the most affected aspects um, inside of metabolic adaptation. You know, a lot of people are like, they talk about metabolic adaptation. And yes, there are some hormonal consequences with that. We know cortisol increases, testosterone decreases, thyroid decreases, which all have an effect on metabolism. However, your NEAT is the greatest portion of what metabolically adapts and lowers. So when you have metabolic adaptation and you're like, man, I was on a diet and now I'm eating way less calories and I'm not losing weight anymore because I'm metabolically adapted – try increasing your need because usually what happened is like, yeah, you're eating less, but you're also burning way less. And that's what your metabolic adaptation is. Going back to the reverse diet thing. Some people who are quote unquote hyper responders, we feed them more food and their steps go through the roof. They're talking more, they're fidgeting more, they're doing more, they're training harder. And they're like, man, I'm responding so well to this food. So yeah, you're just moving more. Yeah. You don't realize it because you just have more energy. The only times like where people will tell me, like, I think my needs going up is when they're like, um, like my husband or my wife says, I'm like way more enjoyable to be around because I'm more talkative. I'm more engaging. I'm more excited. I'm more energetic. That tells me that you were eating more food and you were doing more because of that. Yeah. Right. So, um, it's one of those things that's super, super important, but it's pretty damn hard to manage and alter. Absolutely. I mean, besides step. Yeah. But that's it. Our track. Yeah.
1: For sure. Man, that's good. All right guys. Um that's going to wrap this uh portion of the training FAQs up. Um
0: we are going to do an, a nutrition FAQ soon. Yep. Um next week. And I will say this too, like I mean this I know this isn't a and a but click the link in the description, drop us a question if you have ideas for an FAQ. Yep. Um there's no character limit in that field. We appreciate when you summarize things just cuz it helps us ask the question better, but if you're like, man, like I have like 20 questions, fire them away in, yeah. in that short style. Like, what's better, supersets or s- single sets? That's a really easy question to ask. So, if you guys have ideas for an FAQ, um, we'll keep doing these, but just drop them all in, in the question box and uh, we'll go from there. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, Head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the nutrition hierarchy.